Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, It's a phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Today's guest is a free spirit. She's a model. She's the host of Podgasm, where she's having conversations about sex, self-love, mental health, and more. Bonjour, Clem. Welcome. I actually asked my audience what they would kind of like to know about the conversation that we're going to have. I did some background research on you. And one question that you answered in one of your social posts was, what does it mean to walk a mile in your shoes? I would love to start with that. What's pretty comfortable. I don't wear heels unless I'm working. Yeah, it's just like in life, you know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm comfy, but like I sweat easily and I get anxious and I still have quite a few insecurities I'm dealing with, even though I would say it's not as much as body as it was before. I don't really think about my body like throughout the day anymore. And it used to be the only thing on my mind. Now it's more just, can I do this? Can I do that? Am I overwhelmed? Am I not doing enough? Am I this, that? Like, it's kind of just like a lot of questions. So yeah, I would say a mile in my shoes is just going to be a lot of like self-reflection, question, a lot of like self-criticism and just thinking about food a lot. <laughs> I think like thinking about food and sex and dog videos and home stuff. That's about it. That's about all I think about. I don't wear heels either anymore because like <laughs> I told you before, I think we started, I have four kids and yeah, no. yeah you gotta change. be able to run after them. <laughs> so another question someone wanted to know was, do you feel like you are constantly under a microscope? I don't, I actually really don't. I like, I know I like, I share a lot online and I do get some feedback sometimes that I want, sometimes that I don't want. I mean, to be fair, it's really not that much. Like, I really don't get those, like, nasty messages or, like, criticism and things like that. I really don't get any of that. I mean, it's rare. Like, I might get it once every few months. And so I'm really lucky because I know a lot of friends and a lot of people that are very, like, open and, like, like public like I am. Like, they do get that a lot. So I would say that's maybe one reason that I don't feel like I'm under a microscope. And also, I feel like I don't give a shit anymore. So I feel like also, like... Even if I was, like, I don't really pay attention, especially online. Like, it's a different thing when it's in your face and it's people criticizing you and talking shit about you, like, that you know, that you heard of, that you can put a face on. But when it's online, to me, it really does not make any impact whatsoever. So, no, I feel like I'm just doing me. And I think the only, the only thing I'm doing is, like, I'm trying to know myself better and discover myself as I'm putting it out there for everyone to see. That is really cool. And I like that. And I feel like I'm discovering parts of myself by just putting myself out there as well. And I like less structured and less scheduled and kind of figuring it out along the way. I feel mm -hmm. like that there's a real authenticity to that. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that's the only way I know how to do. So I don't, I don't know, but like, I, I like that for sure. And I know I like that when I see it in other people as well. So tell me when you started putting yourself out there. Oh my God. It's funny. I was just actually thinking about it yesterday. Cause I was thinking one of my first Instagram posts. Oh my God. It was like, when I first moved to Miami, it was like probably 10 years ago. 
when I first, like nobody was using it. I remember my first like few months of posting on Instagram, I was just posting like selfies because I used to have a more funky style, like a little bit like rockabilly, a little bit like, like cat eyes, sunglasses and cool lipstick and things like that, which I don't have anymore at all. But I was green, you know, like new. And that's, that's what I was 10 years ago. And I used to post like cool selfies and like styles, things like that. And nobody cared. I had like, you know, 50 followers, but I did it. And I remember like the first reaction were really from my agencies and they were like, Clam, you know, you shouldn't really post on Instagram because like clients see it and they think you don't work. So it does not look good. Like la 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 la, whatever. So that was like 10 years ago, right? So things change. Now it's like, you haven't posted in five days. What are you doing? <laughs> so that's how I started. I was just, you know, putting myself out there, whatever it was to put, not much, but I guess as I grew as a person, like I'm, I had life here and then I moved to New York, my career took off. I started being in this like modeling and also body positive world and, you know, going out to New York and, you know, knowing what social media can do for you and just learning, you know, like a regular 20 something year old girl, like learning how to live with social media. I just kept sharing. And I guess just what I am sharing kind of just switched to just more body positive content and more fashion and more personal things, because that's just, that was me growing, you know, my growth, especially in terms of numbers and following was the slowest and it's still the fucking slowest. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, what do I have to do? Do I have to be naked on it every fucking day? Like, <laughs> and, and it does help. Like, like, fuck it does help but yeah it was really really slow I started at zero like 10 years ago and I'm only at like 90 something now so it's really like slow and steady <laughs> even like a lot of posts that I post like it's only really successful if I'm feeling the content like if that day I'm inspired to write something really good and the photo is cute it's gonna blow up if I'm just posting because I'm like oh it's been five days I should just post a picture let me find something and you can tell, like nobody likes it. It gets like five times less likes. That's the thing I was saying earlier. It's like people connect to that vulnerability. And I feel like even through the screen, I'm pretty sure they can feel it. And it doesn't speak to them the same way when it's not like real and like real vulnerable. You know, I just started a podcast on my birthday in July. I mean, we just got a 1000 download today. Like, congrats, so I'm really excited. Awesome. Yeah, I woke up to like, congrats, 1000 plus download, whatever. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, it's, it's super cool. And I think, you know, I like that too, like being able to really connect with your guests and just really like putting like your craft and like your mind into like other people's stories and making it happen. I mean, I really like the process of just talking to random people. Like me, it's more like I do a lot of community episodes. So it's just followers are telling me their stories about dating and love and sex. And it's cool because I have no idea who they are. And then they're telling me all those crazy, like personal stuff. And it's so fun. Like, and I think it's cool because like, I talk a lot about my personal life and how I feel to them online, but I never really get to hear what their personal life is like. And so that's like such a cool way to have like a live discussion, you know? And I think it's crazy that you can say that your podcast is profitable because I didn't even know it was possible. I don't even know. I just wanted to talk to people, but you know, if it ever gets there, that's pretty fucking cool. Here's something that I totally wanted to talk to you about because this recently happened to me. So like over the weekend, I did a live shoot with one of my clients. It was a three camera shoot and one of our guests backed out like literally right before. And 
the host was like, Rena, we've been working together for like a year. Why don't you just come interview me and we'll do like a behind the scenes of the host. But I have put on some weight during the pandemic. And like I said, I had an emergency C-section with my fourth kid. And that's my one like hold up. Like I am particular what I put on freaking Instagram because it does matter, right? I mean, I'm like overanalyzing every angle of myself. Do you ever feel like that? I mean, I would lie if I don't say never. <laughs> if I say never, but I really don't like mostly I don't anymore. But I, I mean, I feel you because when you say all that, that reminds me of me before. And that was me before, like even the way I was standing, like if I was walking in the street, I was always sucking my belly in to make sure if someone looks at me, I don't want them to see I have a belly and this and that. It was crazy. And like, I just remember like how much time and energy I was spending worrying about how my body looked in certain position and doing certain things. And it was really tough. I don't know how I'd spent all those years thinking like that but I mean I do you know especially my work like it's a lot of taking pictures and taking videos and on set with like 50 people I don't know hundred eyes like on me at all times probably judging to some extent but also just doing their job so sometimes I go behind the camera and I talk to the art director and I look at a few pictures that we just took and then I'm just like oh not this one and they're like, oh, nice, this. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, how can you say nice on this one? I'm like, clearly, like, I look like shit. Like, next. And, like, I can tell sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to be like that. But it's human. Like, you can't just, like, fully accept yourself and love yourself in every angle and every day and every second. Like, it's just not possible. Like, it doesn't matter, you know, who you are, what you look like. Like, it's just not going to happen. Also, I think it's practicing. Like, the way to get there, it's really just practicing let it go. Just like seeing images are not flattering and kind of just letting go of the power of choosing or judging or, and like being a model for me really helped because I know in the end, I have no power on what images are coming out. But then I'm like, fuck it, who cares? I got paid, they book me again, they like me, like no worries. Now I, I go through life like thinking like that and it's definitely more comfortable. How has it affected your sex life? Oh my God. Well, I like to think I was always like a hot number, but clearly like as I grow older, like I'm very much more, more empowered and, you know, I take more, I would say daring steps towards people. I'm kind of less waiting for things to happen, more doing things, more taking charge. I used to not love being on top so much because I thought I was too big and I thought you know my whole body was like fully covered and my soggy boobs were right there and so I didn't love that but like I fucking love it now I feel so powerful and I know I like I love my body when I'm on top and I just like it really like makes me feel powerful and I love that and I think that really it's part of my transition into like not caring anymore because I'm like, if the dude that's under me is under me, probably he likes what he sees, you know? So it's like, also like, come on, like, why would I think like, I look like shit? Cause clearly if he's here, he likes it. So I shouldn't worry about it. So, you know, just like those things that is kind of just like training yourself to rethink things. So it takes a while, <laughs> clearly it does not happen overnight, but it's really the training part that's important. A lot of women say, and I wish I was as confident as you, I wish, but it's not about wish. It's like, you have to, you have to actually practice. And it's not like, oh, you're not confident and you don't do anything, it's never gonna change. Well, yeah, but like, it can change. That's why I keep trying to tell them, it can change. You just have to actually practice. My whole life was like, fake it till you make it, honestly. like. 
my whole life because people never thought I was I hated my body people never thought I hated myself people never thought I was like I had so many like complex and 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 shit that I couldn't live with myself I wanted to die like nobody ever knew that none of my friends none of my family because I faked it they always thought I was the happiest the funnest the this and that and I was so confident no I wasn't but like I was practicing the shit out of it honestly it's this year it's been like the most growth out of all like the fastest for so many reasons, right? Because like, Tell I left, me. first I left New York, moved to Florida. I left a seven years long, abusive, toxic relationship to be on my own, which is nice. And I fell in love. Well, he broke up with me, but still I fell in love. It was the best love I ever had. So that really helped me too. Like he, I felt safe and, and secure to really grow and focus on myself. So that really helped a fucking COVID. Just, you know, like dealing with everything, dealing with separation, like not being able to go home for the last two years, like just like a lot of growing and just like focusing on myself, like starting workout again, like really consistently. That's been huge. Focusing on spirituality, like getting into Reiki, getting into tarot, getting into all kinds of shit. I just got into all kinds of shit during COVID. Like, but it's like, it's fun. It's good. And I think like reading more, like a lot of like self-awareness book and things like that. I, I would say mostly due to my abusive relationship. So that's how it started. Cause I'm not a reader, but it started there. Like I wanted to read more about it, like how the people deal with it. And then it kind of just went into, you know, what kind of person I am like, Oh, I'm like highly emotional, blah, blah, blah. So, okay. So what does that mean? Like trying to kind of understand myself like that. So do you mind talking about how you got out of that? Yeah. I actually shared a whole story in April, like 2020 after I, I was gone for two months. Well, first I didn't know I was in an abusive relationship until maybe two weeks before I left. How I knew is because I called a hotline for abused women following my friend's advice. And she, you know, she was telling me like the way it's treating you, something's wrong. Like you can't do this to you. You can't do that. You can't talk to you like this. Can't talk to you like that. And I always knew something was wrong. Multiple things were wrong. And a lot of people told me, but I chose to cut those people off rather than listening to them, which is often what abused women do to protect their secret. So I followed her advice because I was fucking desperate. He tried to murder my dog a couple of days before I called. So that was for me, that was really like the, you know, what really like shaked things off not that he abused me for seven years but that he tried to kill my dog which is you know my everything so so I called that hotline and I was talking to this dude and I didn't even tell him everything like I told him about the dog I told him about the financial abuse I told him about some violent episodes he never like hurt me like physically but like there was a lot of violent episodes and so I told him a few things and he was just like like, I can't believe you made it this far. It was like, what, can you leave today? And I'm like, huh? <laughs> I started laughing. I was like, at this point, I still didn't fully realize what was going on. It was like, honestly, I'm really concerned. Like, it tried to hurt your dog. Next thing is going to be you. It was like, do you have money? I was like, yeah. He was like, do you have somewhere to go? That's not this apartment with him. I was like, well, I have a condo in Florida, but it's like, it's not close. And he was like, do you have a car? I'm like, yeah. He was like, okay, could you drive there? I'm like, what? It was like, I, I was like, are you serious? 
And it was like, I'm very serious. He was like, here's what I want you to do. And he gave me a whole plan from like calling lawyers, calling the court, how to get restraining order, calling this, calling that. Like he told me, he gave me a bunch of resources in Miami, just like in planning of me going there. And he was like, look, like, it was like, you're luckier than most women that call here because you have money and you have your own transportation and you have your own place. It was like, that alone makes you like, really lucky so it was like I want you to do that I want you to leave tonight or tomorrow but you need to leave that night my friend was with me and I told her and she was like I agree I was like I, I want to help you do all of that like let's do that tomorrow morning she was like pick me up at 7 a.m we'll be at the courthouse at 8 put a restraining order and then she says you just drive until you can't drive anymore and so that's what I did. Like that night I called my assistant and I told her to take over all the work we had for the rest of the week. We had shoots for my charity. We had like social stuff going on. And I just dropped off everything at our house for work. And I told her, you got this? She said, yeah, don't worry. And I packed it. He was gone that night for a few hours. So when he was gone, I just packed like a bag with my computer, my dog's paperwork, my paperwork. I think that's it. And then the next morning, I woke up extra early. I told him I was walking baguette. I took baguette. I took the bag I hid and one coat. And then we ran to the car, like as far as we could. I didn't even let her pee. She was like, I'm trying to pee. I'm like, no, bitch. <laughs> we ran to the car and we drove to her, picked her up, drove to the courthouse, put a restraining order. I mean, by the time I was out, he had already blocked my phone. So I didn't have a GPS. I didn't have anything. He had hacked all my accounts. So he knew what I was doing, but I knew fucking direction. I was like, I'm going to go south to Jersey so then I can get stopped with my puppy in my car. And then I just drove like until I got to New Jersey. Then I stopped, got into Wi-Fi, got a new phone, got a new line, got a new everything. And then just drove for three days pretty much with Baguette. Got her food, got clothes, got everything on the way and then made it to Miami and, and yes, change all the locks, change everything. Cause he knew where I lived and he knew like everything about this apartment. So I just changed everything, went to the courthouse, went to the police, like just, and you it was like are a runaway so movie. brave. Oh my freaking God. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. When I think about it again, it's like, fuck. But I mean, you know, I was at this point, I think like I knew how strong of a hold he had on me. And even though it was less and less over the last few months, it was still so strong. Like I kept telling myself that night, I was like, no, I can't do that. This is crazy. I was like, I'm crazy. I was like, this is insane. Nobody would do something like that. And I keep saying that. And my friend was like, no, you're doing it. You're doing it. And she kept texting me all night. She was like, you're doing it. And I was like, honestly, if I, if I think about it one more time, I'm going to cancel it all. And I'm going to just stay because... For the last few years, I didn't know what else to do than just stay. I don't know. I just was thinking about my life and like him, like around Baguette, the way he like just try and throw her out the balcony. And I was just like, how can you stay with someone that does that to you and to your, to your dog? Like what happened? He was just pissed that something we were already like broken up for months, but we were still living together because he had nowhere else to go I don't know one morning I woke up like I was out the night before I think it was a Valentine's Day or something and I didn't go out with them I went out with some girlfriends which I mean we were separated so whatever but he was upset and I woke up and I started making tea and he just had the dog on the leash and he started walking to the window and I just noticed when he got there I just noticed that plants were out the way and windows were wide open we're on the 22nd floor in New York and he started like picking her up 
wide window. And that's when I just dropped everything and I ran. And he was like in the process, like halfway out the window. And so I just grabbed a leash and I pulled her down as hard as I could. And I started screaming and doing everything I could to keep her on the ground. And he keeps screaming that I, did, I didn't deserve her. I didn't deserve him. Like he wanted me to hurt as much as he hurts. Like, I mean, it was really crazy. That was really like the moment that I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I don't know. It was so scary. Like leaving all my shit behind, like. I never got anything back. I don't know what the fuck I did with it, but he emptied the apartment before I could go get it. But it's like, you know, I just like lost everything. I lost my charity, most of it. Like he took our account on Instagram. He took our emails, our contacts, everything. All my personal, the only thing he didn't take is my money because I had locked that up real good. But everything else was pretty much gone. We had to start over and like personally, all my contacts, my company, so, you know, it was just hard because like leaving, that's the things you think about. It's like everything that you're going to lose if you do leave. So all I could think about was that. But in the end, like the fact of just being free of him and his judgment and his pressure and his hate, it just felt better. That's, I got to the point that that's the only thing I wanted. Like I could see myself in Miami and scared and alone and with nothing. But at least I have baguette and I wouldn't have to live like someone else's life by his roles and his crazy demands and shit wow how fresh is that i left february 2020 one month before the lockdown and i'm so fucking glad i did because if i didn't i would have been on lockdown in new york with him man i I don't honestly if i would have made it i don't believe in god but i believe in karma and life and i think that was just life telling me to just make the move now before it's too late damn and Tell me about Welcome to Miami. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, good thing is the condo was only mine. I owned it. So I was safe there. I was able to change all the logs, do everything, you know, have my restraining order. I had a good lawyer. So, I mean, I was really lucky. And also two of my best friends live here with their family. So I wasn't alone really quickly. I had, you know, my group, my support, even though they didn't know really what was going on at all. So I had to, what was hard is like on my drive down. And then when I got here, I just had to explain to everybody what happened and why and how. So like that story, but like a hundred hours more of that. (laughs) And just like, you know, like the emotional side and it was hard. Like even my parents, they had no idea. Like my best friend had no idea. Nobody knew what was going on. For them, I'm sure, like, it was hard. And for me, it was just hard to just have to to say it over and over again. But at the same time, I think it was good because every time I'm saying the story, it reminds me of where I left. And I'm so happy I did. So it was hard. It was hard. But it was, it was good because it was freedom and the beach. And, you know, just it, it was great. It's my favorite city. I always knew I wanted to come back. I just never thought it would be that fast. But it was made to be. It's great. I mean, it's been amazing since I'm here. It's been amazing. Like just like having all my friends so close. It's been a great like being able to see their kids grow and, you know, through COVID, like I didn't have any of my family, but I had like my couple friends that are really close that are here. So that's been really good. I've been blessed, honestly, like it's been a shit few months because of that mostly, but all my savings went into fighting him. But at the end of the day, like I still got my dream house than 
this year so fuck like I didn't you know lose everything and like work never stopped for me which I'm so grateful for like so much great things happen in like 2020 and 2021 so I feel like you know I've been the luckiest like in my crazy like awful story like I still have been the luckiest like it, it really turned around really quick that's amazing I heard you say in one video that you felt like you belonged in Miami more than France mm. oh yeah yeah, I don't identify with French people a lot. I mean, uh, French people, yes, but only a certain type. And I mostly I don't identify with France because for me, it's like, you know, whatever like small town you grew up to, you usually hate going back because it reminds you of all your memories and being bullied and all the bad people there and how they made you feel. Well, that's how I feel about France, you know? That's where I grew up until I was 22. That's where I had like most of the pain of my life and like people treating me like shit and making me feel bad and and less than and insulting me and judging me and so all my bad memories are there so i just know that french people are not so free and not so open-minded and and not so nice at all i mean we know that they're assholes but you know it's it's like a small country with a small mentality in a lot of ways and there is amazing people that are french and live there thank god but in general, like to me, it was never a very welcoming country, I guess, because they didn't really like welcome me with open arms because of my body, because of my face, because of my ideas. They don't like things that are out of the box. Like I'm definitely out of the box in many ways. And, you know, I always felt like I need to fit in and just to be accepted. And I just, I never thought that was fair. I always felt I was born in the wrong place. And I was told my mom that since I was a kid. This great things. I just think like ideals and, and values and everything. Like I'm definitely not belonging there. Like the whole family thing for me, it's like I love them to death, but it was not always easy. And like, there's a reason why I chose to leave like 10,000 miles away. So, you know, I, I like it in small doses. Like I like to share the good times and the good moments, but it's hard for me to like have to live with them like on every day, regardless of who it is. So yeah. That's why sometimes, like, actually, look, most of the time when I go back, I get my own Airbnb, I, I rent my own car, like, I need to, like, you know, I see you and I see you, but then I need my freedom. <laughs> I can relate to that. Oh, my God, yeah. Can we talk about how you broke into modeling? Yeah, my first big job was actually in Paris, maybe a year or nine months before I left for Miami. I had a few jobs before that, small French stuff took a few pictures, like portraits with photographers here and there, just kind of like dipping my toes. And then I had this big job that I didn't know was going to be a big job, but um, it was the first commercial for online platform that were selling clothes for women size 42 plus. So that's like 12, size 12 plus. And so I was pretty much like the first fat woman in France to be like in a commercial on TV and like not being like the funny one or the awkward one. Like I was in my bodysuit and I was dancing on single ladies. Like I was like, <laughs> so that was my first, uh, my first real job, like big job. And then it came out when I already moved in Miami, moved to Miami. And it was kind of crazy because like, you know, it was like a lot of reactions from like press and people in fashion, but also just everyday people, mostly women. 
I mean, a lot of people hated it. You're like, oh, so shameful. See all that satellite. Like, you shouldn't promote that shit. Like, so ugly. Like, I can't believe they see that. I can't believe people wasn't censored or shit like that. I mean, awful. Even a journalist wrote this article, like two pages article about how disgusting the commercial was. And we got her fired. Yeah, the community got her fired because it got like the biggest back, back, like back. Ugh. Backlash. Whoa. I mean, that's amazing um, that you retaliated. Yeah. I didn't do shit. I was just like, that's her opinion. I don't give a crap. I was just focusing on like, plus we didn't have Instagram or anything. It was just Facebook and emails and that was it. And I was seeing the amount of Facebook messages that I was getting from regular French women just telling me like, oh, like you changed my life. Like seeing you on TV just changed like my life forever. Like I can't believe that I saw that. You look like me like and you're amazing so like I must be amazing too like kind of like those kinds of messages like every day for like the first few weeks it was insane and I've never knew something like that before so for me it was like the fuck is going on how did that Um, feel that's so awesome I feel like I would love that I mean it was great I just didn't really know what was going on and what I was supposed to say so I just started answering to every single one of them and just you know telling that you know it made me so happy that it actually changed my life reading their messages. And and it really did because at that moment, like more than the commercial itself, that was pretty cool, but it was more like the reaction of those women. I think that's kind of what started me wanting to pursue this like for real, because I moved to Miami. I had three jobs. I was a waitress. I was illegal. I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do to stay. But then that was my first like few weeks in Miami and I got this and I was just like, well, there's something to do. I was like, if I can make women feel like that just by doing this, like being out there with my body and that's it. I was like, this is something to do. And so I started getting more into it. Like I applied for this American apparel campaign that I saw on Facebook and I got chosen. So that's how I got my big break in America. You know, it's just, that's how it started. Like, I just felt like if I can make women feel like that, like I want to do that all the time. And what is it like working with an agency? I mean, you had never done that, right? I had a small agency in Paris. <laughs> I'm not much, uh, you know, I don't like to be controlled. So I don't like to be told what to do. I have a very mm. strong opinion about everything. And so I would say this is not the quality that an agency likes to hear when they work with a model. <laughs> they like someone that's, you know, easy to mold, easy to tell what to do, easy to direct. And well, I wasn't that for sure. I'm kind of chill. So unless you fuck with me, like I, I'm not a bitch. So it went well overall, I would say. I would just say um, when I first signed in New York in 2012 or something like this with Muse, which is still my agency today, almost 10 years. Oh shit, it's almost 10 years next year. So I'm still with them. So, you know, it didn't go that bad. But yeah, it was hard at first. Like first the Instagram thing, they want me to post, they want me to do this, do that. So, and I disregarded. So clearly they were not too happy. And then, you know, I was like, I wanted to know everything about everything, organize my own shoot, have my own this, that. And at first it was hard. Like the first few, four years or so, like five years, even more, it it was like up and down. Cause I was still one of the harder one, I guess, to navigate around because I created my own company. I did my own charity. And so I had so much going on. They had a hard time to kind of like make me go where they wanted me to go. But I think they're happy now because now, you know, I work more than ever. Like I'm one of their like good girls. I, we're friends, like we're friends now. So, you know, like shit take time. But like also I don't really trust people easily. So like, you know, I think they felt like 
I was not really opening up with them, which I wasn't like to me, like when it's business, it's business. You know what I mean? I have this thing, like if we're just meet like this, like I'm going to be your best friend, like first night. But then if it's business already and there's a power relationship, then I don't make friends with that. I, I can't. So they didn't get that. They didn't understand that for a few years. So that was hard. I mean, I'm happy I stayed. It's, I think it's one of those things, like I like to know what I'm dealing with. So I had the chance to change agencies multiple times and I thought about it a lot, multiple times. But in the end, like I spent so much time knowing those people and how they react and how they work. And we spent so much years like making it perfect for us to work together that I was like, do I have to do that again with someone else? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm just not like and if they didn't find me work that'd be another issue but they do so I feel like I'm cool (laughs) I am interested in like what do you think is the future of plus size modeling plus size modeling first I I think it's pretty much not called plus size anymore like I mean it's been a debate for the last eight years ago when I moved to New York like it was already a debate like should we use plus size should we drop it everybody pitched in and everybody gave their opinion I mean I personally don't care I just feel like from what I'm seeing being on set plus size or any size or whatever it's really not like a thing most of my campaigns I'm on set with kids men all colors disabled models like tiny models short models like super beautiful tall blonde blue eyes models like I just feel like it's more and more everything. So I think the terms and like the, the boxes become more and more irrelevant really. And, and that's really cool because I remember like 10 years ago, that's what we were hoping for the future of fashion to be. And so I feel like we're almost there. There's still obviously like boxes and you still have to fit certain kind of requirements to like get a chance. I'm not saying everybody can be a model, but so much more people than before it's getting wider and wider and more diverse and yeah we're going the right way so i think the future it's just it's just a modeling world when there's no boxes at all and also no like date of like expiration date because i think models are working later and later there's like older model on every set like 50 60 plus so i think that's also cool a lot more disabled models, which I think is really good. And that took a really long time to come. Also like brands just being more open to like voices instead of just looks. And that's been going on for like at least the last five years. Cause I know when I started my charity and doing the work I did, I got way more like interest from brands because like I also had more to say. So I think it is happening. I just think it's not enough. If somebody wanted to get into modeling or if there were someone who were disabled and wanted to get into modeling, like what would you tell them? Just find some creative that are down to shoot you, take photos of you, videos, take any kind of content you can take, just knock on every door. Instagram makes it so easy to knock on every door. Think about it when it was just Facebook and emails when I started and it was still fairly easy but you know like now it's super easy so I would say do that don't hesitate as much content as you can and then once you have enough then just send everything to every agency you can find on google and see what happens that's the kind of the only way to go and uh, also focusing on growing your own brand before you even anyone like a lot of people say oh you know I'm doing this I'm doing that but like it's no point I don't have any followers like bitch like 
do you think I care when I have 50 followers? Like if I didn't start when I had like no followers, I would never have that many now. Like it just makes sense. Like you can just wait for things to happen to start doing anything. You have to just start doing something, whatever you like, whatever you believe in and just be consistent. And then something will happen from it. Like that's it, that's how it works. I wanna talk about all the things that you've made happen. Talk to me about like what you've got going on. Oh my God, I gotta see Baguette too. Baguette, you're on camera. Okay, Hi, Baguette. <laughs> mm, I love you. Oh, I woke her up during our nap. You can t- you can take the other side. Come here. Come take the other side. Hey. Aw. Oh, the second just... doggy on my show. <laughs> yeah, she owns the house. <laughs> well, first, I moved to Miami on my own at 22. I borrowed a couple grants from my mom, and I told her if I wasn't back in three months, I've made it. And if not, I just come live with her. So she was really hopeful, I guess, that I wasn't going to make it and come live with her, but that not happened. <laughs> so that's the first thing that happened. I survived two years in Miami, multiple jobs, just living on the dream, really, because there was nothing else to live on. <laughs> I, I made my goal happen. I managed to stay here legally. So I think that was already a fucking like miracle for me. And then I made it to New York, like sex in the city. Like for me, it was like, oh my God, I'm moving to New York. Like, da-na-na-na, da-na, da-na, da-na. <laughs> that's like when I decided and like packing my suitcase to like move there, that's all I could think about, like that music in my head. And I moved in deep, deep Brooklyn in the tiny, tiny, tiny room that I've never seen before. <laughs> and I thought I had like the worst luck. I thought I was going to get killed day one because it looked like I would. But then it was an awesome neighborhood, awesome roommate. I mean, I had the best luck, honestly, but... I was scared as fuck. And I told my mom the same thing. I was like, look, I'm going to, because she was freaking out that I was going to New York. And I was like, look, I'm going to try, same thing. Give me three months. If in three months I can't make enough money to like pay for my bills and live on my own, then I come back because I have nowhere else to go after that. And same thing, like after two months or so, like my agency was giving me advances because, you know, clients don't pay like fast. So, but I was working enough that, you know, I could live on a couple grand a month and it was fine. So I was like, okay, well, I can make this work. I paid my mom back for all the money I got from her and I started working, but like six months in, I was just like bored. I mean, I like to use my brain a lot. You know, I went to school for like international marketing. I thought I'd be in an office putting together strategies and shit. And then I end up in New York, like, you know, running after the subway and taking photos and pretty much not using my brain. Minus sense of direction. That's always useful. Yeah, it was like it felt empty. So I started the blog called Bonjour Clan. That was the first time this name came around. I wanted originally the goal was to talk about other people because I also felt like I was really self-centered with modeling. I mean, I have a decent size ego, but like I didn't want it to become too big. And so I decided to talk about all the shit. So I would use my free time to like go meet people that own restaurants, like creative that I would meet, like other models and just like take pictures of them and put it on the blog, talk about their life. So that's what I was doing. Like I just started doing that. So I felt like New York really kicked in my like entrepreneurial, like whatever it's called, like mojo. uh, mojo. Yeah. Yeah. So I started with that. I was like, so happy. And then everybody knew me by bonjour clam. So every time someone would say hi to me, say bonjour clam. (laughs) And it became a thing. So I was like, 
damn, that's cool. You know, and like the blog was very successful. I had like started to get sponsor posts like quite fast, like after like six months or so. And I was just like really excited. So that was like a good thing. And then a year later, I started my production company because I was already looking at like sets and shit. And I'm like, I can do that. And I was like, I can do that too. <laughs> I'm kind of like a thing where I feel like I can do a lot of things better than people. That's a problem, but that's also equality because I do. And so <laughs> I started the production company and one of my French clients was my first client. And I produced like a three week shoots for them every single day on set, hired everybody to model. So next thing you knew, like I had a production company and I did that for five years in New York. So I was also a producer and also an art director and a model. And so, and so that was cool because it was just more things to learn and more things to like be known for and add to my brand. Like people knew I was doing all of it. So like most of my clients were my modeling clients. They also wanted to work with me on other things. And so that was great. And that same year, I also created the All Women Project, which is the charity I created for women empowerment, promotion of diversity and representation. And so that kind of happened like within months of each other. So I was busy with that as well. Like our first campaign went viral and then we started doing more campaign with bigger brands. And, you know, we started events two years after that. Like it's just a lot. And like, next thing you knew, I was spending my life out in New York, like hosting events, doing talks. And then like two years ago, three years ago, I had my first Ted talk in Scotland. They flew me there. And I could not believe, like I was listening to Ed Sheeran the whole way because, you know, I'm in Scotland. I feel like I need to listen to Ed Sheeran. So I was just singing all the way instead of like thinking about my speech. I was just listening to music, trying to empty my head. And I'm doing the speech without having like rehearsed at all and just bare feet, like no makeup, no shoes, just my pink jumpsuit. And that was the coolest thing for me. But something happened, like the video fucked up. So I don't even have footage of that. I have like phone footage from my friends, like kids that were there from St. Andrew's school. And I have audio footage, but I don't even have like the whole thing. So I'm upset, but it's okay because I had another TED talk, but guess what? It was during COVID. So it was in my friend's living room. So I'm looking forward to my third TED talk when I can actually be on the stage with a video that works, but it's okay because the message is still out there. It's just like pride wise. Like I need something a little cooler looking, but yeah, man, it was like, it's a lot. I just feel like, you know, now I, I'm in New York, like I have a network, I have like, like CEOs of like companies that want to be with me, want to speak with me, like things that I never thought that I could ever build for myself, like coming from France at 22, like, you know, I thought I was just gonna hang out. But no, I think I really like I built a strong network, I built people that love me, that believe in me, that trust me. And that's really big. I mean, I think that's like, you know, the biggest like, brag of all is like, everybody knows I'm good. Like I'm a good person. They can count on me. I do good work. Have you ever been frustrated with clothes or like the way that things fit? And you're like, I could totally design that better. Please. That's my everyday. <laughs> like literally every day that I'm on set, that's what I'm thinking. But I also learned being a model to keep my mouth shut, do what I'm paid for, because it's been hard, like being an art director and a producer and being on set as a model, it's been honestly the hardest thing for me because as a producer and art director, I'm always the one deciding of everything. But then I'm a model, I decide of nothing. Like maybe I can choose a playlist, that's about it. Honestly, that's also getting better because when I was younger, pretty much everything plus size was shit. Now 
there's a lot of good stuff even in like a lot of my clients are just like very big broad like everybody like walmart old navy like all those things i remember when i was younger this was not hot at all like they didn't have nothing i would want to buy now all of those really on every on every set there's always something i like and i'm gonna buy so i feel like things are getting much better for any pricing and so that's really important too because also plus size has been very exclusive for a long time like only people that were doing plus size before were very expensive or very shitty there was nothing in between and there was no options but now every time i shoot i do find stuff that are really cool okay i, so of- I want to know how you got naked <laughs> what do you mean the first time because i get naked a lot <laughs> okay well the first time i was probably 19 or 20 it was this like artistic photographer or whatever in paris and i brought my mom with me and she would not want me to say that but she ended up shooting naked with him too okay that's cool that's cool she i mean i was blown away that she did it but you know what she sewed i was like so comfortable and i explained to her why because i was able to see myself through someone else's eyes that didn't hate me because i did hate myself before and i could see something that was beautiful and yeah, so I told her my process and why I wanted to do it. And so she came and then she ended up doing it too. And she felt the same way. So I was like, see, told you. That was our first time. My first time for sure. I think her last time too, but definitely my first time. So it was cool. I wonder what my yeah. dad is going to think about all of this. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. Oh, I can't wait. And you know what? The, the thing is, like, I don't think I'm going to stop when I'm a mother. I think it might just get worse. So You are awesome. Is there anything that you would like to ask my dad? Daddy, would you be opposed to being in a relationship with a woman that's naked on social media? Ooh, damn. That is a good one. I thought you were going to ask, would you be opposed to your daughter getting naked? No, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to that one. <laughs> Did your dad but- care? Actually, that's a good question, and I've never asked him directly, but I have feedback from my sisters. She told me recently that, you know, they've been showing them a lot of my posts, my photos, but also what I'm talking about, and she said that they said they were really proud of me, and they loved what I was doing, so I guess the nakedness is not too much bothering them, but, you know, I think he will also be very different if I was just posting, like, nakedness that's very suggestive or like very like just like sexy just sexy and I'm not saying it's not sometimes it might but it's never I'm never kind of just like you know like oh like I'm never like that like never it's always like the message is always like very big when I put something naked it's always like very important message so I'm never just trying to tease or like to turn anyone on like at all and it's really just to like I would say just use my voice to like show women how they can be and how worthy they are and how perfect they are just the way they are. And so because that's my goal and also my process, I think it also shows in my pictures, like just like mostly women follow me, mostly women, like it's rare that I have guys commenting on my post. It's rare that I have DMs from guys because they know I ain't about that. Like, I don't give a shit about them and how they feel and how sexual they think something can be. Like, so I think the process is also like a bit different. Like, I think my dad would definitely have an issue if I was just like whoring on the internet. 
that'd be very different. I definitely think that there's a big difference and I love your mission. I totally love like your brand and everything that you're building. And I would love to be a part of your community and support you. So please let my community know how they can do that. First, you have to go on Instagram. If you don't know what it is, just look it up. You'll find it. And then once you're there, you go on Bonjour Clem, B-O-N-J-O-U-R-C-L-E-M. And it's a little orange like logo. It's a Clementine, but nobody knows what's a Clementine. So I just say it's a little orange. In that bio, you see everything else that I just talked about. My charity, my podcast, my company, everything. And then you can learn a shit ton of stuff about me. You can see how I look naked. And you can even watch dancing videos on like songs and lip singing. There's a few of those. So there's a bunch of stuff. So I suggest you go there and just, you know, find everything out and DM me and let me know where you come from. And let's help her get over the 100,000 marker. Yes, my God, I've been dying, but it's okay. You know what? It's going to happen this year. I I Uh, know it. Oh my God, Clem, I really love you and the story. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. What a pleasure. Of course, I'm super excited. And I can't wait to see what dad's going to (laughs) say. Me too. (laughs) Can't wait. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. I think a a very interesting interview with Clem, and to me, it's resolving her self-worth and confidence level. She's a very smart girl. She's very outgoing. She has a lot of really wonderful qualities. However, because of her weight, she had her own insecurities, and then she went out with a man that was keeping her down and being probably abusive to her and put her in a a state where you really got to be proud of her that she finally got out from under. But the fact is, is that she has conquered this idea of what a person looks like on the outside and what she is doing and what's helped her build her confidence is getting naked. I don't see anything wrong with that. Even her mom did it. So the truth of the matter is, (laughs) I, I hate to tell you this, but I was one of those streakers in the 70s did plenty of skinny dipping. It really feels good to be naked, to be honest. In Clem's case, it really helps her overcome what she looks like. And to give it her best outfit, which is her natural look, makes her feel great. And showing the world that is not only a confidence builder for her and helps her overcome all of her inhibitions, but actually probably helps a lot of other people who might have similar issues with their weight or size or helps build confidence as well. She posed the question whether or not I would go out with someone that's either posing nude in a magazine or maybe even nude in a dance club. I think the the issue is not the nudity. The issue is whether or not you have a relationship with this person. This is someone that you get along with. It's someone that you can feel comfortable with, where you can be yourself, she can be herself, and where you're building the blocks of a relationship and you have a lot of things in common and you agree on a lot of things and you're, you're happy with each other, that certainly shouldn't, shouldn't interfere. I think part of it is what she mentioned also is that if she was using this to solicit men or women or using it as a way of you know, getting off on it and, and trying to, you know, where she was whoring around, that would be the issue, is whether or not you have a relationship that's building out of trust. 
And if it's building out of trust, there's a lot of people that uh, do modeling and do uh, paintings and different things where they have model a nude. The body is a beautiful thing. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Hold up. 